Welcome. You made tough shit. Podcast puts first world problems into perspective. We are your hosts. I am Corey. Oh, I'm Chris. I'm here too. <laughs> Looking at you Isn't like... it normally longer than that before I say something? I might have said it a little quicker, but no, that was it. Usually I say something fun. Yeah. Like last time when I was irritated. No, you're just no that was two times ago. I think you were irritated. This full ep- last full episode. You I were told irritated. Corey that I just had to put some drip drops of vodka in my eyes before the so it's a little bleary. Uh, bleary? Yeah. <laughs> That's what they call it when you get fucked up on vodka through your eyes. Ugh. <laughs> I really no, they're just eye, they're just eye drops. Uh huh. I don't so, really. I don't so drink everyone vodka can't anyway. see your red eyes. I just wear sunglasses or a mask or two eye patches. Two eye patches all day. <laughs> what were we were we talking about in the show that eye patches were or no, it was something else. There's another show where they're talking about eye patches like were used to correct a weak eye. I always heard that pirates used they would cover one for night vision or something, some bullshit like yeah, that. Yeah, cuz they're too stupid to use goggles like we do. I don't think they had goggles in the early... Well, they should have figured it out. Okay. Anyway, yeah, you made it tough shit. That's Corey. I'm Chris. Yes. We have a show for you today. Uh-huh. We have an actual full episode, and we're ready to give that to you uh, real first, though. That's disgusting. What, the full episode? Anyway, no. Hey. <laughs> oh, never mind. No, I'm going to wait before I tell you. So go ahead. Do your stuff that you usually do. It's like you have notes and your structure, the thing that you do at the beginning of the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, real quick, got an Instagram, at TS Podcast Official. Give us a follow over there. That'd be cool. Uh, I mean, he's told you 40 times by now. So every you episode should be, you've, you've yeah, heard. you should be following it by now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, leave a rating on Spotify or Apple. Uh, you can support us directly at the anchor.fm link in the show notes. Or if you would like to buy a shirt from studio4east.com, you could do that. That would be awesome. And quick shout out to Bree, Arlene, Sarah M, Kathy M, and Sarah J for our Anchor FM supporters. Thank you very much. You guys are awesome. Yes, that is great. Uh, okay, I should be done shilling now. Maybe we'll turn on ads someday. Oh, so well, I that just was a quick shill. <laughs> I, I, well, I was thinking about that. Like, I, I get long and I. Yeah, like, I know. I had a whole thing worked up. I was going to be like, shill, fucking shill. He just wants your money. Get a fucking job, Corey. You wouldn't have to ask for money. We, I, we both have jobs. <laughs> we both have jobs. I lost mine from putting all this vodka in my eyes during the day. Oh, Hank, right? No, that's just me. Oh, <laughs> he was so, a bad influence. So your 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 fake story problems have manifested into real life. Well, then. the worst thing about drinking at work is that it's on your breath. So I figured if I put it in my eyes, mm-hmm. yeah, that'll help. They just look drunk, but I don't smell it. As long as your boss ain't smelling your eyeballs. I guess you could say I'm having a bit of a, get over here and give me an Eskimo kiss. (laughs) Is that what they call them? Or a a butterfly kiss? Yeah, not an Eskimo kiss. You can't say that anymore. Oh, whatever. Raspberries. That's when you put your nose, right? The Mm -hmm. nose to nose. Yes. That's what what they called that. No, but that's actually under A butterfly kiss would be the eyelashes on the cheek. Which is just, I know, that's just trippy. And then they can smell the vodka if they get that close. Yeah, that's what I said. Get over here and give me a butterfly kiss. We're all boys at work, so what we do is (laughs) raspberries. Every morning after our morning meeting, we have to. <laughs> <laughs> you are going to get fired my, after. That. I don't think they listen to the show. But yeah, my boss lifts his shirt up and I give him a raspberry. I just go. <laughs> I just right on his belly button. And then we get started. <laughs> See, if I shield harder and we turned ads on, you wouldn't have to do that. I'm really sick of giving raspberries. <laughs> I know when it's a shower day. <laughs> You're like the days the raspberries turn into head just doesn't. doesn't. <laughs> I know that you can get like, I mean, I don't know. I haven't gone and done, but I know that you can get weird shit done. Like if you go to a prostitute, like I'm sure that there's basic stuff, but I wonder, I'm sure that there's somebody who's paid someone else to give them a raspberry. A hundred percent. Yeah. If people there's like people love... who like dressing like babies, mm-hmm. then there's definitely somebody out there who's just like fucking rock hard for raspberries, the fruit and getting their belly button blown on. Yeah, people are into weird shit, but if you're not hurting anyone, whatever. Yeah, have fun. Yeah. Uh, real quick again, uh, we do have a Gmail. It's toughshitthepodcast at gmail.com. Please send us your questions. We're trying to compile a Q&A episode. I'm super excited about we it. And have... I know that somebody has emailed you already yeah. Yeah, because we have... I married that person. Yeah, your wife. Yes. <laughs> your wife is the only person who has emailed us with questions. 
Maybe three years from now we'll have enough questions. <laughs> I'd clarify, like, yeah, it's it is Mandy. Yeah. Isn't like well, somebody sent questions and then I divorced Mandy and married them. <laughs> so no, it's it's Mandy. It did go so long. Like you divorce and remarry another Mandy. Doesn't <laughs> she start sending questions? Okay. All right. Uh and last, uh, please just share the show with people. We would appreciate it. That would be awesome. Uh, anyway, you have made it to a full episode, an actual topic episode, and today's topic is midlife crisis. Uh, I did the lead up there earlier, and you dropped it. I was talking about the vodka. I'm like, it's like I'm in the middle of a, and you're supposed to say midlife crisis, but now here we are. It's about midlife crises. I don't think of people <laughs> eye-dropping vodka when I think of a midlife crisis. I do. <laughs> That's all I read about for this show. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, Chris and myself, were closing in on middle age. Uh, I'd say this podcast might be something of a midlife crisis. Yes. That when you, when you do your thing, you're like, do you have any personal experience mm-hmm. with this subject? I was going to be like, this show is a midlife crisis. I wouldn't yeah. call it a crisis. I, yeah. But it's I, definitely like. I'd what? say it's got a better spin than other people's crises. I'd just a more positive spin. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. So. But yeah, definitely. This is like midlife well not midlife i i'm being optimistic because i am now nowhere near midlife but at 35 well 37 now but at 35 mm-hmm. to start a podcast it kind of i mean that screams midlife crisis yeah. or midlife do something different with yourself yeah yeah try something different i agree uh let's see i got this one from wikipedia for the definition just keeping you on your toes uh, describes a midlife crisis as a transition of identity and self-confidence that can occur in middle-aged individuals typical 45 to 65 years old. That seems to be seems what wrong I've... to me. But that I'm... seems exactly <laughs> <laughs> fucking exactly. What what mean midlife at 60. What asshole is living to 120? A really optimistic asshole. Uh-huh. Actually, I don't want to. I'm not. I have a lot of. To, I want to say. I'll. You. You can do the talking here because like. My story, story, I'm doing quotes, my, uh-huh. my story, Air quotes. is uh, it, it is discussing, the, but just discussing the midlife crisis itself. Mm-hmm. It's So I a lot of things I have to say I have wrote down. Yeah. So. Off the air, we did discuss how trying to find specific stories Holy relating shit. to it. I thought it would be a lot easier than it was. I was pretty fortunate finding the one that you almost also found. I have an idea. Yeah. But like it is because technically... There's everybody's having a crisis pretty much all the time anymore. So if someone oh, has yeah. a crisis and it happens to be like between 35 and 45 or whatever, mm-hmm. technically it's a midlife crisis. But is it really? Nah. I spent a whole evening reading about people um, faking their own deaths because I was trying desperately to find a story about somebody faking their own death. I thought it'd be great for a midlife crisis. As part of their midlife crisis. But most of those people are just people in financial trouble, regardless I, of age. <laughs> I was going to say money, I'm sure. What I found shocking, though, which was kind of amusing, was the amount of people who uh, fake their own death through like fake drowning. Like They set it up as though they've drowned. And almost immediately, like, so if you're trying to fake your own death, don't do that. Because most uh, like police, they mm-hmm. take... like. Well, drag they the know and everything else. Like, yeah. They know that in most cases a body shows up. So if there's Eventually. evidence of a drowning and no body, good chance mm-hmm. that person was in financial trouble and they fake their own death or so, they drown. Yeah, when someone goes missing or is presumed killed or whatever, that's one of the first things they dig into is the financials of the person. Exactly. Yeah. Or if the wife did it. <laughs> yeah. And oh, you yeah. And I know from the John Rain novels that if you want to make a body sink, you have to stab the fuck out of it for a all long time. the guts, holes yeah. everywhere, and then they sink. Yep, on a list. We know that <laughs> for a fact <laughs> from a book. Mm. All right. Uh, some of the complaints: uh, people losing their shit just entirely, like uh, cheating spouses, divorce, buying lavish or impractical things, uh, start dating someone half their age. You know, either. Getting fucking shredded or getting fat as fuck. Yeah, you could One of those way. is healthy. Yeah. Uh, gambling, drinking, drugs, depends. Uh, some cases, going unchecked, it can turn into a depression or suicide, unfortunately. And that is not a good thing. But I think from what I gathered, most midlife crises, the one that they, they just kind of piss people off for a little while and then move on. Yeah, most people get over it. And mm-hmm. despite the prevalence of it, everybody knowing it, after doing like a lot of research, and who knows, it's like, but doing poll, reading polls, yeah, it's like they figure like twenty ish percent of that's, people maybe have one. It's not I have, as yeah. many as you think. 
Mm-hmm. Though it's more than it needs to be. And I'll get into that a little bit. Okay. All right. So with the personal story, I let's see, I, I started a podcast with my jack off neighbor in hopes to brighten the world a little bit. So Nuh-uh. yeah. You're not gonna believe this. Are Do, you ready? Yeah. Do you want to ask me what mine is? What's your what's yours? I started <laughs> I started a podcast. <laughs> I started a podcast with my fucking Mick neighbor and uh <laughs> Because I was, I wasn't feeling unfulfilled. Uh-huh. I just feel, I just, I filled, I filled, I felt as though the world was missing out on me, and I didn't want them to get to midlife and think about that. So I putting myself out there. Whatever. So that's mine. Fucking. We shit have the dick. same one. Because <laughs> it is the same fucking one. But it, realistically, like short of the podcast, I personally don't have one. I don't think like the real. Uh, you know, the, the ones you always think about when you hear, oh, so-and-so's having a midlife crisis. Uh, I do know a few people locally, and I'm guessing you do too, who have like, they had businesses or really good families and wives and all that. And just like, I am going to start seeing someone half my age and just leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's, I do that's know. That's the typical, that's what you think of. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing though. And I personally, like this is um, like when we did the funeral episode. Mm-hmm. And spent like two months reading about death and like funeral rites and stuff. And I found that super fucking helpful helpful because mm-hmm. I'm like scared of a lot of stuff. But I this reading about the midlife crisis and like just talking about and like reading about it for a month and a half, like I found it very cathartic. I don't know if I ever used that word correctly. I don't know either. It's made me calm down and not worry about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like what the fuck? What's the point? Well, I, I think I don't know. I I like to think you and I have a different outlook and approach to many aspects of life so i wouldn't see us being like hitting age you know closing in on our 40s 50s and being like fuck me i'm just fucking, it's all over that's it starting over fresh um but i don't know i feel I, pretty good i yeah I, so, i'm i'm yeah. i'm pretty content with uh, the world i've helped create except right now myself. hot as fuck in this room i am sweating out of every hole in me i should have just stuffed toilet paper down my pants before we started <laughs> Jesus H. Christ. We'd line a room with blankets every other week. It just happens to be fucking hot and humid this week. So, actually, you got you got a lot of that to look forward to for the next few months. I'm excited. Uh, but, yeah, that's just the uh, few personal stories. Like I said, the people, few people I know locally who have just, yep, adios, wife Don't do and that. kids, you know, which, you know, no. Uh, let's see. Quick statistic. You already touched on this. Uh, according to helpguide.org, which is a trusted nonprofit guide to mental health and wellness, only 10 to 20% of adults experience a full-blown midlife crisis, like yep. the actual ones you think of. Yes. Uh, I think a lot of people, if they do hit that point in their life, they do kind of reassess things, but I'll talk about that after the, after the stories. How do I will. sound in your head right now? Like literally, I sound like I I sound not like, but I'm listening to this through my headphones, and I sound like pretty level. I don't sound like I'm overdoing it. No, you've been pretty decent. I've been making an effort. In fact, I will I will say, listening to the shows as as we've gone on, definitely better audio. Hey, you put the time in, you get better at anything. That's right. Absolutely. Get uh, get out what you put in. Isn't that that the saying? (laughs) Get that out of me. Put it That's in That's why, me. like, when I eat poop, it comes out as poop. <laughs> Weirdest thing. Every hot dog I eat comes out a hot dog. <laughs> That's what happens when you don't chew them. <laughs> Every bowl of peanut soup. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking gross. Uh, All right. I, I get it. <laughs> what, right, it? what were you going to say? Like, uh, did you said you had No, I'll say else? it when I get into mine. Okay. All right. That's part of yours. And on that note. Seeing as I've gone first the last two times because you had to pull your Hank thing last time, which was a better than the screenplay, I'll give you that. I'll take that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> for the hygiene I, episode, that was it, yeah. I know, and on that note, mm-hmm. I to, for you today, I mean, I got some shush shush, some zhuzh zhuzh in it, zhuzh, oh, like but some... this is a legitimate story. All right. It's all factual. Okay. And I tried my best. And you know why I did? Mm-hmm. Because I did it for you, because I know you'll appreciate it. I am on point, on topic, and this might be the closest thing to our mission statement since we started the show. Wow. That's very impressive. Yes. I put a lot of work into it. I don't know. I think at this point, though, we're 40, 41 episodes in. Technically 42. Everyone points that out. 
Because oh, we don't fucking stupid intro. Don't listen to that goddamn. <laughs> yeah, thing. The, the first five episodes. I'm embarrassed uh, by it. But anyway, right. but no, I like people are just gonna come to expect like, well, here's Chris. He's gonna talk about fucking making shoes or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's nothing to do with the fucking topic. This is very on point. Okay. I also right, have I'm to kind say, of excited. If anybody notices like any tonal shifts through mm-hmm. this, it's because I wrote most of it before last week's show. Couldn't finish it, so drowsily wrote the middle of it one night and then wrote the rest of it on my phone in five-minute increments, even pulling over on the side of the road. So we'll see what happens. All right, cool. I'm excited. Let's get into it. You ready for the title? All right, yeah. Are you you only do the sarcastic titles for the soft serve, right? No, this one's very literal. Okay. It's also a little wordy. Mm Mm-hmm. So the title of this one is... The so-called midlife crisis is a tulpa created by the Canadians to sow discord and chaos amongst American men in the prime of their lives in order to further delay the inevitable annexing of our vastly inferior neighbor to the north. All right. It'll make sense in a minute. Tulpas. We're going to get Definitely in... not a mental illness. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what a tulpa is then. I have a rough idea, but explain to our listeners. I mean, pretty much a tulpa. What I think of when I think of a tulpa is... Um, something that is not real mm-hmm. that is then created with essentially with your imagination and agreed upon by enough other people that you've essentially created a, a, a being. Whether it, it is an imaginary friend for grown-ups. pretty much. Like mm-hmm. Slenderman is a is a tulpa. Kind of. Yeah. If enough people collectively agree something exists and is real, then that's technically a tulpa. They go like some ghosts. They could some say creepy pastas. Yeah, yeah, it's just fun. But anyway, <clears throat> that'll make a little more sense. Gotcha. At some point. So, yeah, keep that in mind, eh? Corey. What? Can you tell me what will irritate a British academic more than any other one thing? Uh, the Fast and the Furious film series? No. Actually, you're pretty close. <laughs> but not quite there. It is being forced to listen to a Canadian quote-unquote peer butcher the English language while acting as a guest speaker at a psychoanalytic con- conference. Okay. <laughs> That's true. All right. Also, I really am going to like malign the Canadians and the English in this, and I didn't really intend to. That's just the way it came so out. So, so you're bashing another country of people? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, Chris, Chris, the country basher. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that will bring the sharp tang of bile to the back of a Brit's throat faster than a Canadian physician presumptuous enough presumptuous enough to lecture men of the empire about new ideas. And I got into this a little bit with you, but okay, we'll go. All right. But on a cool evening in 1957 at a meeting of the British Psychoanalytical Society in downtown London, one brave Canadian choked back all his oots and don't you knows and took his place behind a microphone and in front of a crowd of more than 100 British psychoanalysts. A sea of skeptical eyes and crooked teeth glaring back at the frightened young man. <laughs> this nervous pup, throwing himself to the proverbial jack-toothed wolves, was there to read from a scientific paper that he had recently written that compiled research on a possible phenomenon that he recognized as being common amongst folks passing through their mid to late 30s. Okay. While studying great artists throughout history and just observing your typical man on the street, humble as you like Canadian folk. I'm going to try some Canadian accents today. They might work. They might not. Uh, This young doctor picked up on a recurring theme. After about the age of 35 and lasting sometimes for years, both men and women could fall into a sudden and depressive state of mind, as we've mentioned already today. Mm -hmm. The timing and commonality of the depression intrigued our young friend. But not only that, for the doctor the phenomenon hit especially close to home. At 36, he was suffering what he feared could be a career-killing depression himself. Determined to find the source of this mental hindrance and tamp it out for good, he packed what research he had and headed across the pond to London. (laughs) (laughs) This young Canuck, and I don't know if Canuck is offensive. I I think I've heard Canadians say Canuck, so I don't know. Well, a hoser. Oh, this young Hosier. Uh This young Hosier's name was Elliot Jacks, and he invented the midlife crisis. All right. And oh, man. Like, I wish I could say I'm responsible for that wording. Mm -hmm. Like, the invention of the midlife crisis. It's just such a fucking cool way to put it. Yeah. It's like an accusation. You know what I mean? There's the guy. Yeah, he did it. Yep. But I did not come up with that. I'll give credit to my main source for today's story, uh, an article from The Atlantic called How the Midlife Crisis Came to Be. 
which was super interesting, but at the same time, a little bittersweet. I've used the Atlantic several times now for this show, but alas, after today, she and I will be parting ways. Whatever algorithm the Atlantic er, at the Atlantic that's responsible for automatic prompts has recently informed me that this is to be my last free article. Clear your browsing history. I know. <laughs> you told me that, and I like already had this wrote out because, like, I mean, I thought it was an unfortunate development. Go incognito, like, because well, I didn't, uh, I didn't, I never thought of that because I'm like in my head, like, I can't afford the Atlantic. It's sixty dollars a year. Well, I mean, I could, but like until I'm done with my my subscriptions to chess.com and Duolingo, it's just not going to happen. Fucking panhandlers at the goddamn Atlantic asking me for money. Like something you will actually use. I know. It's, I, I really do enjoy uh, Opposed to your chess.com subscription. I don't use it. See? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I might do it. I really do enjoy the Atlantic. But anyway, okay. that is, that's most the main source for today. All right. Uh, but yeah, either way, back to Elliot Jacks, our young Canadian friend. Dr. Elliot Jacks. That's Jacks, like a typical Canadian would spell it. J-A-Q-U-E-S. Jacques. Yes, Jacques, because they are French. Um, is he from Montreal? <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, okay. It just says Canadian. Um, not Jacks. J-A-X, like Jax Taylor, <laughs> the most dramatic and hypersensitive girl on Vanderpump Rules. Or Jax Dane, an American professional wrestler born in 1981 that appeared on a Google search for famous people named Jax that I did. You missed a very important one. Who? Isn't the dude from Mortal Kombat? The oh, fake I didn't arms? Even think Jax. of him. Yeah, it is. He's pretty cool. I feel stupid. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> it's J A Q U E S. Uh, Elliot right. Jax. 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 But, um, yeah, they're <laughs> Elliot Jax. However, uh, so we're back to 1957. Doctor Jax is about to make more than a hundred stuffy Brits very uncomfortable. As if these poor doctors weren't having a tough enough time as it was, just being in the same room as a Canadian, Elliot Jacks' presentation was focused heavily on a subject that psychoanalysts at the time did their utmost to avoid. The topic of death. Which, honestly, I found this bit to be kind of odd. That's surprising, yeah. It is. Um, yeah, you'd think that psychoanalysts, which are essentially psychologists who deal mostly with emotional states, yeah. would be steeped in talk about death. That would yeah, that would seem to be a very important topic. Mm-hmm. You would want to get off, you know, get off your chest. It seems to be the only you. topic, really. Yeah, but apparently not, as it was a bit of an unspoken taboo to speak about death at these meetings. They just didn't do it. <laughs> Doctor Jacks, however, uh, either didn't know this or just didn't care, as he launched headlong into what he coined as the midlife crisis. Up until this night, no one had ever heard of a midlife crisis. Uh, as Elliot Jacks made the name up for his paper, it was the first time it was spoken that I'm aware of, uh, which is kind of crazy to think about because, like, every one of us knows what a midlife crisis is. Yeah, it's... Hell, it's almost like an expected rite of passage, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know at, like, age eight <laughs> that you're going to <laughs> what have a, one. What a midlife crisis you look crisis forward is. to it. I don't know if you look forward to it. It's but... just it's just strange to think that, like, it's such a new concept, <laughs> having, like, only been around now for 65 years. Yeah, that is a, that, that's shocking. So, now... It's not to say that no one ever had a midlife crisis before 1957. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that it happened. There just wasn't a name for it. Yeah. Dr. Jacks even theorizes that Dante, in his Divine Comedy, is actually going through a midlife crisis. Midway upon the journey of our life, I found myself within a forest dark, for the straightforward pathway had been lost. Or some such fucking nonsense. I remember years and years ago, I tried to read that shit. I bought it at an antique mall. I bought all three parts because it's just like <laughs> the one of those, like, yeah, one yeah. of those essential reads, like how smart people are supposed to read. Yeah. So fucking boring. I think I bought it. Well, how book. old were you at the time? I don't know. It was like in my 20s. Do you still have it? Probably. You might be able to muster it now. I don't. I just, I'm not interested. I don't care. Yeah. I bought a book about sharks right after that and it was way better. <laughs> Your days it at was the just, antique mall. I don't know. That was your rent-to-own rent days, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. We don't get into that. Oh, no, we've talked about that. <laughs> we definitely have. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, he claims that he was going through a midlife crisis. Maybe. But anyway, um, either way, yeah, Dante may have been going through, like, like boohooing his way through hell mm-hmm. in the midst of a midlife crisis. He just didn't know that that's what it was called. But on the night of the British Psychoanalyst Society meeting, I'm sick of saying psychoanalyst and spelling it. But on the night of the old psycho annies, the, <laughs> the cyans. Yeah, the cyans. Okay. I don't know. Make it up. But on the night of the British Cyan Society meeting, 
That's probably I like that a, way that's better. That's probably an offensive term somewhere. <laughs> All Canucks and Cyans. <laughs> We're going to get a lot of emails, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> with questions. Send us your questions. <laughs> so on the night of the Cyan Society meeting, Dante was not the example Dr. Jax used to paint a picture of a young man in the throes of midlife. That task fell on the shoulders of a 36-year-old Canadian patient whose name was redacted from Dr. Jax's paper. The name was redacted because the patient was Elliot Jax himself. Oh. No one knew this at the time, of course, as Jax kept this little tidbit uh, secret until admitting it or admitting the omission in an interview years later. But as far as the walruses making up the British Cyan Society were concerned, <laughs> the 36, I don't know why I picture him as walruses <laughs> sitting there with their, their tweed. It's 1957, uh-huh. but in my head, they're in these tweed things. They're all fucking fat globe heads and they got these giant mustaches and they're just like harumph harumph <laughs> wrong live the queen <laughs> but anyway as far as these <laughs> can't wait till the first englishman who like listens to the show is just he meets you and he's like fuck you chris <laughs> oh my god oh jesus christ so yeah Anyway, these uh, these walruses at the Science Society. As far as they were concerned, the 36-year-old subject in Dr. Jack's paper was just an anonymous patient that mirrored the condition Dr. Jack's had named the midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. That condition, the acute and debilitating depression at about midway through one's life, Jack's theorizes, uh, was brought on when those affected suddenly realized that they were halfway to death. And before, like, especially then, oh I mean, yeah, in your 30s, yeah. I mean, in the well, we'll get into in the, that, like yeah, in the fifties, what was the life expectancy was in upper sixties, yeah, sixties. If you're, 60s. you know, didn't develop mm-hmm. countries, but uh, yeah, before this point, death was only a problem for the dead. Mm-hmm. You never thought about it. Dead people, old people, I guess soldiers at war, mm-hmm. the runt in a litter of kittens, children with leukemia, uh, those living in extreme poverty somewhere in Africa, wearing our discarded T-shirts we dropped off at an overworked and understaffed Salvation Army, like they die a lot. <laughs> But as so long as it doesn't say tough shit, the podcast. yeah, don't don't donate them, Just throw them out. <laughs> yeah, uh, but death, like death, wouldn't come for us. I mean, all those poor bastards, sure, but not us, right? Certainly, death would make an exception for those of us who hadn't even given it a thought until the age of thirty-seven, and she never dare wrap her icy fingers around the throat of a member of the British Science Society, which I really like that. You liking better. that? All Fuck right, yeah. Um, except that she would, and not only that, she did. As I'm guessing that at the time of this recording, everyone that had attended that meeting in 1957 is now very dead. Probably. Yeah, because they were all pretty old at the time. Safe assumption. Yeah. Uh, and they, yeah, they've probably been dead for quite a while. So, yeah, death is the equalizer, not Denzel Washington. It's this point exactly <laughs> that Dr. Jax was trying to get across to this room full of teetoddlers and descendants of filthy redcoats. It was, it was in our... <laughs> It was in our mid-30s that those of us lucky enough to consider that to be midlife began to see death as something less abstract and more as a hard reality that we'd know intimately much sooner than we'd like. The aforementioned patient in Dr. Jax's paper put it best when he, in broken English, confided in his therapist how he was feeling. Now, the following is a direct quote, but in order to properly maintain a Canadian cadence, I've added a few don't you knows just to try and keep me on track. Okay. Okay? So here it goes. <clears throat> and I quote, Oh, don't you know, up till now, life has seemed an endless upward slope with nothing but the distant horizon in view. Now suddenly I seem to have reached the crest of a hill. And <laughs> there stretching ahead is a downward slope with the end in the road in sight, don't you know. Far away enough, it's true. But there is death, observably present at the end, don't you know. <laughs> So every Canadian sounds like a quick speaking Amish. I had to put like, for some reason, like, and despite hours of watching Letterkenny, yeah. I practice this with Mandy. But every time it comes into this, it turns into this like Irish Amish slurry. I can't help it because I've been doing this Irish accent to Ginny. I think that's what's doing it. Yeah. But regardless, this <laughs> That was fucking spot on. But regardless, uh, this was the example that the very nervous Jax presented to the psycho- psychoanalytical society that night. And as if public speaking in general weren't nerve-wracking enough, Jax was acutely aware of how hypercritical society members could be, especially during the alarmingly aggressive Q&A sessions that followed these presentations. I'd like one of those. Send us your questions. 
What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll get angry at you. Uh, we take angry questions. We'll take any questions at all. Yep. So, having presented his evidence for what Jack's coined as the midlife crisis, he braced himself for the inevitable volley of criticism that he was convinced would be hurled his way by these slathering, wild-eyed Brits. But then, nothing happened. Hmm. Silence. Not even a muffled English harumph. Jax was mortified as he quietly retreated from the podium. He knew the society was a bit of a rough crowd, but at least in most cases, that meant presenters garnered some sort of reaction, even if it was a lot of indignant yelling, yeah. but it was something. But Jax got practically nothing. He was later quoted as saying, quote, oh, God, I got to do it again. He was later quoted as <laughs> saying, we go. oh, there's a dead silence, which is very, very embarrassing. Nobody got up to speak. This was new. This was absolutely rare. <laughs> you fellow shepherd been to Lancaster. <laughs> we make the quilts. <laughs> well, I read this wrong. It was actually an Amish, Amish psychoanalyst. <laughs> uh, and that was that. Dr. Elliot Jacks packed up what was left of the maple syrup he'd brought and quietly kayaked his way back to Canada, his tail between his legs. A friend of Jacks, Child psychologist Dr. Melanie Klein did her best to lift his spirits, saying, quote, and I don't know if she's Canadian, so just do it normal, <laughs> saying, quote, if there's one thing the psychoanalytical society cannot cope with, it's the theme of death. Again, very strange. Mm -hmm. Feeling slightly defeated, Jack shelved his work on the midlife crisis for the time being and moved on to other research. Eventually, having convinced himself that even in your late 30s, life still has a lot to offer, Jacks crested his depression and moved on with his career. Uh, he went to write on more than 20 books and made a name for himself as an expert in uh, workplace relations. Yeah. He worked as a consultant for the U.S. Army and the Church of England, the latter of which I'm sure was super gross. And the, <laughs> the midlife crisis eventually just became a blip on the radar of his life. After his death in 2003, Jax's wife described the early theory as, quote, a tiny little early piece of work that he did. Really, just something he didn't want to talk about anymore. But, he just got it out of his system. Yeah, and he was yeah. done. It, like, he didn't give it much thought after mm -hmm. that. Um, but even though Jax didn't want to talk about it anymore, eventually the theory found new legs and a new audience that was primed for panic. Excuse me. We just both much, belched was, at the same I went, time. Yeah, turned my head, though. Our Too moon, much seltzer water. Must be our moon bloods in sync. Oh, God. <laughs> That's why I put those <laughs> tissues down there. Uh, so anyway... Eventually, the theory, yeah, it found new legs uh, with an audience that was primed for panic. In 1965, eight years after Jax's initial lukewarm presentation to the British Science Society, Death and the Midlife Crisis was finally published. And this time, the theory spread like wildfire. By 1965, life expectancy in most developed countries had reached an average lifespan reaching like into the early, your early 70s. Yep. Um, You're all going to die. Eventually, yes. <laughs> yeah, we are. yeah. Yeah, it's kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, like, since the start of the machine age, life mm -hmm. expectancy had been on an uptick. But by the mid-1960s, folks were typically living long enough that it made sense to label people in their mid-30s as being at about mid-life. Mid yeah, middle age. Couple that with the fact that most Westerners at the time had it good enough that they like needed to start inventing things to panic about. And you've got a more than fertile group of folks dying to have their very own midlife crisis. Of course. Totally were, agree. Yeah. Uh, of course, like there were a lot of other factors at the time that contributed to this success of death in the midlife crisis, such as the loosening of the laughable morality laws um, and increasing acceptance of divorce. Uh, you know, like these shifts in societal norms, along with others, mm -hmm. made the idea of changing something in your life more acceptable and more attainable. Jax was shocked at the sudden popularity of his theory as he watched it evolve from forgettable research paper to cultural phenomenon. The theory gained even more popularity with the 1967 release of Barbara Freed's book, The Middle Age Crisis, where she described the crisis as, quote, a normal aspect of growth as natural for those in their 40s as teething is for a younger age group. Except, really, it wasn't. It was just a theory. Yeah. You know? Albeit, like, one that found an audience that was hungry for just one more thing to be worried about. Oh, well, yeah. Further books were written on the subject, along with research papers, lectures, college psychology courses, literally priming news for the inevitable eventuality of their very own midlife crisis. In a span of years, the midlife crisis had gone from one self-diagnosed, poo-pooing Canadian to a near-global cultural rite of passage. 
millions of people had bought into an idea. They'd collectively taken something that did not exist and made it real. Human beings had unwittingly created a tulpa. That's the yeah. midlife saying? crisis. Yeah, yeah. And of definitely course, definitely not a mental. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. And of course, from 1965 on, the existential crisis, unwittingly created by Dr. Jacks, snowballed into increasingly more and more ridiculous cases as middle to upper middle class victims found less and less actual things to worry about. As both men and women entered their late 30s, too many seemed to, like, it was like they were almost following a script, you know? Yeah, I hear you. Divorce. Find a younger girlfriend, boyfriend, mm-hmm. whatever. Buy an expensive Fast car. Motorcycle. Starting a podcast. Yep. Fleeing the country after, like, accidental manslaughter. Like, there's a long list of Kinda stuff. Kind of threw that in there all willy-nilly. Oh, the podcast one? No, after that. Oh, we can edit it out. But, like, the list, <laughs> the list of, of examples goes on and on. Um, And despite people living longer and longer, the crisis seems to be increasingly adopted by younger people. Uh, Reading, I've heard quarter life. Yeah, yeah, that's what I got here. Mm -hmm. Reading about the quarter life crisis made me want to pull out my fucking hair and mash it in the faces of any twenty five year old Mm -hmm. who feels like they've wasted their lives up to the point. Because you guess what? If you're in your twenties, chances are you have because you're probably still a moron. Yeah, I know I was a moron. Oh yeah, yeah, you're an idiot until you're (laughs) thirty seven. Yeah, until you're mid thirties. And but, you're probably still an idiot, but not as not as big a one. And this will shock you, uh, the quarter-life crisis. Apparently, yeah, it's real. And mm-hmm. believe it or not, guess where I found an article on it? I don't know. Vice. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah. But that's really a whole other can of worms. Yeah. Uh, as I stamp out this rant Vice. and kind of start to wrap things up here, I want to try and end things on a positive note. I'm doing something a little different. I want to take a minute and kind of reexamine the midlife crisis from a different angle. Firstly... If you consider 40 to be your midlife, you're doing really well. That's pretty good, yeah. You sound like an ambitious ambitious and confident person, so good on you. Right on. Secondly, the word crisis immediately steers sufferers in a negative direction. Mm-hmm. So uh, if this midlife crisis bullshit has to stick around, then maybe a rebranding would help us all out. Uh, let's think about it like less as a crisis and more as an opportunity to reevaluate yourself. Absolutely. Uh, a midlife checkup. I like that. Uh, midlife, come on, it's not so bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, midlife, call your mom and tell her thanks. You should. And Or like, oh, uh, midlife, congratulations on getting this far. All right. Huh? So, yeah, like, this is, I'm almost done. Life shouldn't be an emergency. Tough shit happens, but do your best to take it in stride mm-hmm. and have the confidence in your ability to power through and get shit done. There's enough real problems in the world that I don't think we need to spend any more time making up new ones. The midlife crisis is the perfect example of the power of assumption and suggestion. If you assume something will happen to you, then you just made it that much more likely to happen to you. Yeah. Because you know what assuming does, right? Makes an ass of you and me. Oh, I got it wrong. I said it. I have wrote down it eats assholes for breakfast, and that's why it stinks. (laughs) I couldn't remember what the fuck it was. You really wrote that? Yeah, it's right here. I'll show it to you. Assume makes an ass of you and me. Well, I no, I swear we had a math teacher that said, just it's like an acronym, and it says it eats assholes for breakfast. <laughs> just don't assume. That teacher got fired, by the way. <laughs> for exposing his asshole. Um, I'll leave you all with one more thought. The next time you're in a panic over whether or not you're going to waste the next 37 years of your life, Think of the humble mayfly. You ready? Yeah. The mayfly has the shortest lifespan of any other known living creature on Earth. The mayfly will live for approximately 12 hours, meaning it's already having a midlife crisis at only six hours old. Which further means that, like, if the mayfly wishes to stem the panic of looming death by copulating with a younger mayfly, then they'll have to find one that's, like, I was thinking about, like, two hours old. <laughs> which, like, brings a whole slew of, like, his aging eight, consensual his... issues up. <laughs> and I... eight-hour-year-old wife is just not happy with us. <laughs> uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time thinking about consent of a two-hour-old two mayfly. Bug. So, anyway, chin up. Try and enjoy whatever you're doing right now. Because you could be dead in 12 hours. That's very true. I couldn't be more pleased 
with how on point the entire story went. Are you being serious? No, that was you really did. That was spot on. I jibber jabbered a couple times there. No, no, that was great. I made a serious effort to do something that was focused on what the show's supposed to be about that I've been ignoring for forty episodes. <laughs> hey, look at that. Your midlife your midlife reevaluation of the show has done something positive. Yeah, okay, I like that. Yeah. Except I just look I was looking at this. They they're twenty four they live for twenty four hours, oh, not twelve. Close I fucked enough. that up. Okay. Yeah. Still, that's a short window to be kicking. Yes. Oh, I, I totally agree that uh, you know, people in developed worlds we, we don't have packs of wolves chasing us down anymore, so we create them. Yep. You know, there's always a new boogeyman. There's always something scary or, you know, like or there's not fear, man. Always. I mean, there's not rampant, extreme mm-hmm. poverty. There's not like we're not. Well, it's not like the U.S., especially here. It's not like it's we're living in war-torn streets where you got to worry about mm-hmm. a fucking car bomb going off every day. According so, to the news, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is a reason people think this way. I, it, I think it's a, you just, but I can see, I, I know that it does happen. It does. But it makes me think, like, reading about this guy, like, it's almost like a chicken or the egg thing. Mm-hmm. Like, would it be, if if no one had ever recognized it, if no one had ever said it, and, like, it just took off like that, would would as many people have a midlife crisis as they do now? I don't think. I mean, I know it's only 20%, but that's still a lot of people. That's a good chunk of people, hell yeah. What a waste of time. Absolutely. If you if you're <laughs> totally, if you're I, like at midlife and you feel like maybe there's something you haven't done, then just start doing something now. Yeah, just do it. Yeah, it's that that whole thing like, oh, it's not too late. Like it really, it really isn't. isn't. Yeah. And if you're not good at it, just fake it. And you'll get good at it eventually. <laughs> yeah. Or at least make the attempt, you know. Yeah, yeah, we talk about that too. Like just do something. Yeah. Instead of sitting around bitching about it, just do something about it's it. Super fulfilling. Yeah. Oh, that was great. That was a great story. Thank you. And that totally makes good. sense. The, the Yeah, like I said, a little bit reading into this whole thing. I agree. Uh, everything about that. Like, it's it's not that Don't bad. create a problem that isn't there. <clears throat> yeah. Say one more. Okay, real quick. What's that one thing that you keep saying that you read? I like so much. I keep forgetting. Weak the people. Weak people create hard times. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. I like that. That's I think true. about that whenever I get upset. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 if you live your life in complaint and the whole victimhood is a virtue type thing like you're not going to get very far and you're going to be miserable and mm-hmm. that's no way to live i'll tell that's you what i thought i am super excited for your story because i kind of have an idea what it is mm-hmm. and so i'm pretty pumped you'll like it i have no <clears throat> doubt because actually the the time window the time frame is before yours so this like we talked like you just talked about wasn't even a thing that whole crisis mm-hmm. but what she did i guess we'll see so all right <clears throat> story. That's my title. About time you've told a story about a woman. <laughs> I've had uh, I've had women's stories. Uh, I think yeah, I, I definitely have. So I've had several stories of women. <laughs> I don't listen. No, I. Do. I know you. Don't, I don't listen to this show. You fucking hacks. <clears throat> of course, my throat's decided to say something while I drink. You need to drink tea with honey in it. Well, we're doing this. You're probably right. It's very soothing. Not, what did I get? Key lime LaCroix, which is delicious, by the way. Well, your turn. I'm going to drink the seltzer water. Okay. Story. All right, here we go. As a 53-year-old you stands miserably in front of the mirror, looking at your pathetic physique and gazing around at your average-ass house, you ask yourself, what went wrong? You have an okay life with an okay home and an okay job and an okay family, but you should have accomplished so much more by now. You were smart, attractive, and popular in school. You could land any chick you wanted and drove a sweet Mustang, but now your cookie-cutter job, chubby wife, whining kids, and eight-year-old Ford Escape just feel like failure. It's time to mix things up. Well, within six months, you've managed to get yourself jacked, traded in that lame escape on a new Corvette, started hitting the clubs, and also traded in your wife for a younger model. Life is good. Until a few years later when you realize that you're now just an empty old man with no real loved ones in your life, a drinking problem, and no more hot young thing on your arm because she cleaned your bank accounts out and moved on. But it could always be worse. At least you have a chance to move on and right some wrongs, unlike the person in today's tale. I I disagree a little bit. 
With what? Because if that was an eight-year-old Ford Escape, I actually like the look of that model because I think that was the one that Dexter wrecked at the beginning of season four. I always really wanted one. <laughs> I like that before they yeah, change to we, these stupid-looking, I don't even know what they, they look like, an arrowhead. But they're Broncos again. We're trying to get away from the whole white Bronco oh, thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Today we head to the quaint little European country of Belgium, the place that is known for having three official languages, tasty beer, and hot waffles. French, Dutch, German. I think, yeah. Okay. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I believe you're right. Uh, But Belgium is also home to a famous wife and seamstress named Marie Becker, who also had quite a famous midlife crisis of her own, but more on that later. Marie was born in 1877 to a humble family that lived in rural Belgium. She grew up working the land with her parents and led a fairly simple life. But Marie was bound for greatness, and tilling fields all day long wasn't to be her destiny. So after convincing the local clergy to teach her how to read and write, you know, because that wasn't a normal thing back then. Right. uh, Marie set off for the big city of Liege at age 16 to live with her aunt. Marie took to the city life like a champ. She got a job at a rope manufacturer manufacturer, and became fast friends with the boys in town. She enjoyed her new job and socializing with new friends. But inspecting cordage at a humble rope factory wasn't Marie's path to greatness. Not a chance. She had a deep passion for sewing and fashion, fashion and design. By 1900, Marie had landed a job at a dress shop and was a natural with the cloth and thread. Uh, Within a few short years, by 1905, Marie had taken the bull by the horns and was now the head manager of a fashion store. With her good job, own home, and great uh, great nightlife with friends, Marie was a true independent woman. A bad bitch, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what they call them in Belgium? Oh, ladies, independent. Is that a Belgian song? Throw throw your hands up at me. I think that's uh, Destiny's Child. Oh, okay. No, I don't know. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, we'll edit that out. I'd be more likely to name you some Dutch pop song than anything from, what was it, TLC? Uh, Destiny's, Destiny's Child. Child yeah. I already forgot it. Uh, okay. It's from Charlie's Angels. Oh, okay. Yeah. The first one with Cameron Diaz? I think so, yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway, That's a good movie. It was pretty good, yeah. All, All right. right. Her, sk- <laughs> Her skills and reputation made her a favorite with the upper crust of society in the city of Liege especially with the men. Uh, It was around this period of time in her life uh, that she really began to get a taste for the finer things and knew that's what she liked. Classy parties, good drink, and fancy dress filled Marie with delight. But all that would soon get put on the back burner. By 1906, Marie had met and fallen for a well-to-do businessman named Charles Becker. Uh, Her original name wasn't Becker, obviously. She got it from her husband. Oh, that guy from that stupid fucking TV show. Right? Sure. Yep. No. Charles was part owner. I don't know enough about Becker to make a Becker joke, so I'll just back <laughs> up on that one. Uh, Charles was part owner of his family's lumber and furniture companies uh, and was quite well off. Uh, now, some may say Marie was probably just gold digging a bit uh, with Charles, but the relationship seemed genuine for the most part. Uh, she even left behind her life of fashion to take up a job uh, keeping the books for her husband's family business. Uh, With all the money rolling in and business booming, Charles is a busy man and only gets busier after his father passes away in 1912, leaving Charles to be the head honcho of the family company. And he had to marry his mother because that's Dutch custom. No, that's not. No, no, that's not. No, that's not how that works. He he married Marie. Oh, Charles married Marie. Yeah, most Dutch are polygamists. Okay. (laughs) Are you making, are you lying? No. Yes. I'm sorry. (laughs) You're confusing me. Continue. Unfortunately, this leaves Marie feeling distant and neglected from Charles because he's so busy. Uh, And by 1920, to help pass the time, she falls back in with her love of fashion and high society. She uses some of her husband's newfound fortunes to open her very own high-end boutique in the high-rent district part of Liege. By 1928, and now aged 51, with a steady flow of cash and a more meaningful job, Marie is the queen of her world. Well, minus having a dull businessman husband at home, uh, she decides to shake things up a bit. So she does what any level-headed person would do at this point in their lives. 
she starts an affair with a man half her age named Lambert Byer. Thus ah, kicking, so this is like a straight up fucking midlife crisis. Okay. Yep. Thus kicking off her midlife crisis. Twenty-two years of marriage now feels null and void as Marie starts to cut loose and becomes a straight-up hoe bag. <laughs> was that <laughs> was that was that a uh, fashion? Was that a seamstress joke? Cut loose. I'm really just picking up on anything. You could have, yeah, I guess. No, like, yeah, you cut loose. Hey? I'll take it. Yeah, sure, I'll give you that one. Uh, she frequents nightclubs and dances like a woman possessed, uh, becoming quite popular with the younger men. Uh, loving this renewed passion of the fast life, she has this tiny issue, uh, but she has this tiny issue of still being married to Charles, but has a plan in place to take care of that. Feeling so compelled to never let the party life go, in 1932, she slips her husband the hard-to-trace natural poison digitalis, which is uh, derived from the foxglove flower. Ah, okay. Charles Becker has now, quote-unquote, died of natural causes <gasps> and left his fortune to his still-living wife, Marie. I don't like it. Yeah. I know like women get a bad rap they call, when they call poison the, the woman's... The totally pop- is. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. They do do it a lot. Mm-hmm. Most, I've heard that. I'll talk about something at the end here, too, you might like. So, uh, Marie now has free reign to play the field of dicks and party all night. Uh, (laughs) Having such an insatiable appetite, she even starts paying for sex at this point, spending an absurd amount of money on drinking, dancing, and fucking. Is she good looking? Okay. (laughs) So she has to pay for it. Well, yeah, she's in her mid-50s in the 30s. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So this humble girl from the countryside went from plowing fields to getting drunkenly plowed nightly. <laughs> she- I like it. I like this dick farmer that's just like plowing fields of dicks. Apparently, dick. like everything I read or heard, like she was just dick crazy. She was. Yeah. Huh, no shit. Yeah. So it was pretty wild. I mean, good on her if she hadn't murdered her husband. Like, and you're if just that's like, what she wanted to do, just, like having a great time with some young guys. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, wonderful. the whole murder thing is not that. I mean, cool. that's a downside i guess but I, like, guess. I mean i guess at that point they're just technically not cheating anymore <laughs> hey, you know what i'm saying I mean, look at dead. you glass is half full yeah of, i'm like of blood. <laughs> i am a <laughs> of murder all right she even maintains a full-time gigolo named maximilian hoody or howdy i don't know that's a fake name no that's a very belgian oh name. is it hoody mm. okay uh keeping him essentially on a retainer for boning um, her first lover, Lambert, <laughs> seeing what was becoming of Marie, wasn't a fan of all this madness and was trying to get Miss Becker to calm down, but she wasn't having any of that. Uh, she had just spent the past several <laughs> decades being tied down and would stop at nothing to remain free. So, nothing another batch of digitalis can't handle. <gasps> Adios, Lambert. Lucky enough for Marie, after offing Lambert, he had left her some money so she could keep the party going. Wow. But she poisoned him again, though. This is her, her first lover. She oh, killed her okay. husband, first yeah. lover. Gigolo's still around. All right. <clears throat> but this debauchery can only go on so long. By 1933, Marie had burned through two inheritances, and her boutique had tanked back in 29 when the market crashed. Uh, so the money was drying up. Uh, she needed some more cock cash and needed it fast. She relaunched a seamstress service for the well-to-dos of the area, and got in on a new money-making plot to feed her habits. Uh, Marie began to target elderly women. She began to. I thought sh- she was into young men. No, she, not sexually. Oh, this is okay. for money. Just, okay. just for Sorry. money. Okay. Uh, she began to schmooze the rich older ladies who came to her shop for dress service, and she offered to help them out with other tasks beyond being a seamstress, like helping around the home or running errands for them. You know, it seems like a nice gesture, one would think. Uh, but when the time was right, she would strike. A dash of digitalis would seal the old women's fate. Uh, Marie would cl- clean them out of whatever cash and jewels they might have kicking around. And having been in the good graces of these women, some had even left her money in their wills when they died. So she Has was, anybody picked up on this yet? I'll, I'll get to that, okay. yeah. So with this newfound stolen wealth in hand, Marie's quest of dancing for Dick could then resume. <laughs> You loving this? I do. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think you've ever said dick so oh, many man, times. Oh yeah, fantastic. She's just cock crazy huh. here. All right. By 1936, the law was already suspicious of Miss Becker, 
uh, uh, suspicious of Miss Becker's shenanigans and had even inter- interviewed her. Oh, is that her? what they had her wrote down as shenanigans? She's murdered how many fucking people now? Uh, like 11, I think. Holy the- fuck! We jumped to 11? Those old women. So there's two. So the first two were the That's dude, where she really the started to the get lover. her money. Okay, mm-hmm. and then she just went and murdered nine women? And then like some Dutch cops like, oh! Wait, I don't know how that Dutch person sounds like. <laughs> But now they're suspicious? <laughs> they had been the whole time. But uh, let me talk about okay, it. I'm okay. Sorry. So by 1936, the law was already suspicious of Miss Becker's shenanigans and had even interviewed her about some of the mysterious deaths in her life, but could never get anything to stick. Okay. Partly due to the fact that digitalis was legal and when <sighs> used in very small amounts actually helps individuals with heart conditions. But high doses could switch a person off without suspicion. So that was a huge part of it. Oh, shit. Uh, But it would be Marie herself who would finally set her own doom. While chatting with a friend one day, her friend jokingly said that she wanted to kill her husband, to which Marie said, quote, I can help with that. Um, Though the friend hoped she was joking, she didn't really get that feeling from Marie's tone and reported her to authorities. Uh, the police set up a sting to finally nail Marie, but not like the nailing she'd been getting for the past few years. Oh, she probably fucked most of the cops, too, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were ready. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> they were ready to bust her dead to rights uh, and got her friend to convince Marie to deliver some poison to her so she could off her husband. On the way to her friend's house, Marie was cornered by the cops and was busted uh, with her custom blend of digitalis in her purse. Uh, she claimed it was prescribed to her and that it was totally legit, but with no proof of prescription. And it being in powdered form was kind of said otherwise, because I think it was pill form usually. Okay. Um, uh, after Okay, kind of said otherwise. So got arrested. After a full trial uh, and exhuming multiple bodies tied to Marie's past, law enforcement was able to pin 11 murders to her by linking the custom potion to all of them. Uh, also, during the trial, uh, several interviews with people in her life landed her an extra five counts of attempted murder, uh, several counts of fraud, uh, and property theft as well. At age 59, Marie's midlife crisis had come to a screeching halt. She would go on to receive a life sentence in prison, where she ultimately died in 1942. So next time you hear about someone you know going through a wacky midlife crisis of pissing away money on sports cars and banging the babysitter or pool boy, uh, just be glad they aren't going around killing off everyone with poison so they can keep that party going. Yeah. That is awesome. Isn't I mean, that, that sucks for them, but like it's been long enough that you can now it's okay to talk yeah. about it being awesome. Uh, that's kind of why like I had the whole multiple. Wow. Dick. Well, when I, I I did come across her name, mm-hmm. I guess I was expecting more blood, but I forgot. That they, she's a poisoner all day. Hmm. And she is, would, she would just get in tight with all the rich people, like those older women. Um, they were like, "Oh, she, she's my best pal. She always takes care of me." Well, yeah, she's gonna take care of y'all, right? She'll fucking kill you and take all your shit. No kidding. Guess when they busted it, they found like a bunch of the jewelry. Where, where did she bury, bury the bodies? Did she bury them? No, or, like they, they, oh looked, they yeah, all looked right. like they died of natural causes. Good. That's right. So, so their families would have buried him. Yeah. And, and so, I guess it would have been suspicious if she killed him and then she also well, buried she him. She would go to the funerals. She was, well, you got to keep up appearances. Yeah. She would cry at the funerals and make a scene and everything. What a fucked up lady. Yeah. Huh. Just to fucking cut loose and get hammered and bang every dude in town. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Like, she could like just... if you want to do that, go do that. Just don't kill people to do that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean. If get you, a divorce first. She could have just gotten low end dick. And not had to pay for it. Yeah, you, you could, she could have just got mediocre dick for yeah. free. And she's yeah. 53 I don't know. Well, at 50. So this was in, well, what, early, this early was 20th in the 30s. century. So yeah. she was probably going to be dead in a couple years anyway. Yeah. Right? So she probably would have been late 50s, would have been life expectancy. Well, yeah, she only made it to 42. So oh, 42. That's right. 19, the, the, the husband. She made it was, to 1942. Gotcha. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. And I'm she had, she now. went in, I think, in 30, what was it, 36? 30, yeah. 30, I'm, I wonder if since. Since like, since women have since like like, but how how do I dance around this? How do I put this? Since women have been liberated, how do you like? <laughs> I would hope now that like, if you're a woman listening to this mm-hmm. and you're planning on murdering your husband or some old women, like take some pride in yourself and do it with a knife. Don't you don't need to like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you don't no. have to use poison anymore. 
Like everybody, like just do it no. like a guy would do it. Use no, a brick or a car. Run them in. Run them over with a car. <laughs> Stab them. Shoot them. Do something. I mean, something. you can make it look like an accident with a knife. Yeah. Yeah, I'll throw you down the flight of stairs and make you hit every fist on the way. <laughs> I'm, I'm making it look like an accident. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a pretty wild story. And I guess you could say that would have been a quote-unquote midlife crisis. Yeah. But, um, well, so, it must be because that came up. I, I, I wanted was to before, read about yeah. it so bad. But mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, no, I know Corey's into the Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into the Dutch ladies. Uh so, all right. Uh, I did find uh, multiple articles across the internet, like to get my sources. There was a few books, uh, but I couldn't get a hold of them in time. And I did listen to an episode of the Poisoner's Cabinet, which is a podcast. Oh, that thing's come up several times. You'd probably like it. I probably would. It's all about wacky stories like this, mostly women poisoning people. Huh. Yeah. Cool. And they drink booze while they like they have their own little poison with the show. Oh, and oh, I see. And they're English, so you'd probably offend them. I love lif- listening to English people speak. I yeah, but you like ta- you like shitting on them on every episode of the show. I don't really mean it. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> trying know. to offend somebody from every single country that we talk about. Yeah, we're equal opportunity offenders. Yeah, just like that Bella that couldn't read in <laughs> in Dutch in Belgium in mm-hmm. Belgium. Did you know that currently only fifty percent of women in Belgium can read? Come on. No, no. I don't know. See. <laughs> 60% of what comes out of your mouth, I, I question. 60% uh, of Belgian women have murdered their husbands. All right, I'm, I'm done listening. <laughs> well, I, yeah, and, and the uh, any of the talking points I have on this, though, like we already talked about this, how not all midlife crises are negative, though, and I'm going to touch on that in the soft serve. Okay. Like how it should be looked at as a midlife reevaluation. Okay. Uh, you know, doing something different, but um, – and that is my tale. That's the episode. That's it. How are we on? Uh, oh, look at that. Right in an hour. Perfect. Man. Do you have anything else to say? No. Just the usual stuff on the way out as far as uh, we well, Oh, we that. should. Not going to wait. We should have a stop serve out next weekend. Yep. Shooting for that three-peat. Yes. Yeah. Just love it. I just want to sit here and talk into this microphone. I would love to get paid a proper salary and do this. <laughs> I am going to take a shower. <laughs> I am very warm. Not at my house. Anyway, you can go home and shower. I had something to close on. Did you have notes? Oh, yeah, you brought your phone in with your notes on them. You can't can't highlight on your phone, can you? Highlight? Oh, no, I did. I I use the highlighter and I draw over the screen. But then I I have to pull the screen off and put a new one on every time. (laughs) No, I guess I didn't really want to. All I wanted to say, like, kind of talking about, like, earlier, like, the midlife crisis is, like, I was thinking about it today. It is, it's really easy to fall into uh, like societal traps, I guess. Oh I yeah, call, you know, totally. Like when that many people believe in one thing to mm-hmm. be true, whether whether it really is or not, yeah, it's easy to fall into that. So just remember, like I had this pretty pretty well. But like just remember that nothing's inevitable, mm-hmm. and you're an individual, and you just do what you want. Do yeah. whatever you want. It's like, well, don't murder within anybody. reason. Yeah. Don't kill anyone. <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> And if you do and you want to get away with it, use that uh, digital poison that Corey was talking about, Digitex. <laughs> do not use Digitalis. Don't murder people. <laughs> Don't have a midlife crisis. Everything's going to be fine. You made it this far. You're doing great. Yeah. Just enjoy the rest of your life and enjoy today. Wow. I am just, I am just blown away at how well you're like, you grasped the whole episode. Don't expect this to last. That's fine. Okay. That's fine. If you just let me get a stupid <laughs> one in like every like six-ish months. Oh, no. You know, have let me get it. one. Just let me fucking let it out. Let me just go nuts. Yeah. But, okay. I'm feeling good. Yeah. And I, I liked your I liked your tale about the guy who lost his arms in the karate tournament and got ro- mechanical ones. What? Jax. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Again. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I just had to make one more Vanderpump Rules comment because it, yeah, it just terror it mortifies mandy when i say that <laughs> <laughs> sorry mandy oh i have one more thing real quick i was supposed to do this can we just end on like i have a little joke yeah can i do a little joke yeah sure sure so mandy told me this joke this morning it has absolutely nothing to do with the show nothing to do with midlife crisis i just was kind mm-hmm. of funny so uh what would you name a baby that was born without any shins i don't know tony tony <laughs> I loved it. It put me in such a good mood. Uh, oh, actually, credit to that uh, actually goes to uh, Mandy's coworker Jesse, who told Mandy that, and I just brightened my day. That's so pretty I good. I like that. Day. I actually thought of a joke this week too, and I 
the thing with jokes, it's like someone else probably thought of that at some point. Nothing's original. Exactly. All right, but anyway, I thought of a joke, and it kind of ties into your Mayfly thing a little bit. Okay. But not really. But did you know, this is, no, okay. Did you know in the U.S., there's places where you can still legally marry a minor? Oh, like a like a minor in a hole? Did you or, know? Did you know there was? No, I didn't. Yeah, it's pretty much any mining town. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Mine's better. And it's not even it mine. It was. It was better. You came up with that? I, yeah, I thought of it the other day. That was pretty good. I'm going to give you a hug after this. Oh, okay. Aw, that's very nice. All right. We're closing it out. That's it. Uh, again, thank you all for listening. Uh, leave us reviews on Spotify or Apple if you'd be so kind. Check out our merch at studio4east.com. Uh, be patient. It takes them a while to compile orders to print. Uh, or you want to support us directly, check out the anchor.fm link in the show notes. Uh, and a little surprise, I am attempting to resolve the Patreon thing so we could add bonus content over there so people could get a little more for what they're paying for. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because getting I, getting <laughs> getting you to do the normal content is already fucking... Let's add yeah, more. Yeah, let's not add to the workload. It's fine. <laughs> I got all the time in the world. I don't know how if it's going to get resolved, but we'll see. Um, but other than that, uh, share the show. That's the best way you can help us. That's all we ask. And so, if you know somebody who's actually going through a midlife a, crisis, yeah. then give, just cheer them up. Give them some help. Yeah, if they're going through a crisis, just explain it's not really a crisis. You're just overthinking it. Give them some money. Yeah. Give them some money. Buy them some shoes. What if they took on a gambling problem? I especially, because then they probably need the cash for uh, more gambling. For the bookie? So, yeah. <laughs> or or <laughs> they need to pay off their bo- their bookie before they become a Tony. That's- <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, that's it. I'm calling it. All right, I'm going to say goodbye. Ready? Yeah. One. Two, three, bye. Three, goodbye. Bye for now.